This is Transistor.fm. I think we're technically supposed to clap at the same time for Chris to uh, balance up the audio, but he seemed to be able to do it fine last time. Hello, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is a behind-the-scenes story of building a SaaS in 2018. I'm John Buda, a developer. And I'm Justin Jackson, and I'm a product guy, marketing guy, and we want you to follow along as we're building Transistor.fm, which is a podcasting platform and also a software-as-a-service business. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, man. This is our second episode, and uh, you've been working all day at cards. Yeah. You're a little bit tired. <laughs> a little bit tired. Got my I, iced tea here. And I'm drinking tea, hot tea. Okay. Um, I had a long day too, and I ended up, uh, before we recorded this, I'm like, can I just go for a quick walk? And it's amazing what yeah. getting outside and walking does for the soul. Have, have you been outside yet today? Do you walk from the cards office? I home? went outside for lunch, yeah, but it's a very industrial zone. Okay. So is it, it, is it, it close to Oprah's studio? No, it's not. Okay. That got torn down. That's now the McDonald's headquarters. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, that's just that's a little bit yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yep, Harpo Studios is no more. It's now McDonald's. Oh. I just remember <laughs> when I visited uh the thirty seven signals office, you have to walk by it and it was kind yep. of like a circus in front of there. There's like people holding signs, yeah. wanting to get into the show. Yeah, I worked by there for a summer as well, but I think it was sort of there was nothing nothing going on at that point. It was sort of sort of empty. And actually talking about Basecamp, I wanted to tell a little uh, Basecamp story. Uh, in 1999, Basecamp started a blog called Signal vs. Noise. That's actually pretty early if you think about it, because Mosaic came out in 93. I don't even know if like Blogger was out then. But they started this blog, which they build as strong opinions and shared thoughts on design, business, and tech. And I can't remember. Do you remember when you started reading that blog? I don't. Or did you ever read that blog? I did. Oh, yeah, I did for sure. On uh, Yeah, I had a lot of blogs in Google Reader before it went dead. Yeah. Um, that was one of them for sure. I don't remember if it was before or after I started using Basecamp. So it might not have been that early. Could have been 2003. I don't, I'm not I'm Oh, not well, sure. that would have been earlier than me because... I remember getting introduced to it in 2008 when I started working in the software industry. My boss said, hey, you got to check out this PDF called Getting Real, which was a, uh, like an ebook they'd written. And I remember reading it in a night, and then I was just like, okay, I got to find everything by these, these guys, and found Signal versus Noise. Well, Apparently, like by 2009, over 100,000 people were subscribed to that RSS feed in probably Google Reader or something. Yeah. Um, incidentally, isn't Jason Schellen, that guy we met at XOXO, didn't he, did he invent Google Reader? Oh, I forget. I thought he was the Google Reader guy. I think so. Let's see. Yeah. He was the founding product manager of Google Reader. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, yeah. so, I mean, 100,000 subscribers, that was huge. That was like what everyone wanted back then. If you started a blog, there was those little feed burner uh, subscriber 
uh, counters. Yeah. And I never got past like 100, I think, when that was the, the trend. But they had 100,000. And in their book, they said uh, this quote that's kind of stuck with me. This is from Rework. When you build an audience, you don't have to buy people's attention. They give it to you. This is a huge advantage. So build an audience. Speak, write blogs, tweet, make videos, whatever. And I was thinking about that because nowadays it's harder than ever to get people's attention. I would say so, yeah. I mean, I feel like people are going to great lengths to try to get people's attention. I mean, commercials don't really work for me. I barely even watch commercials anymore. Well, even look what uh, your employer, Cards Against Humanity, like. Yeah, they don't don't advertise. They just do stunts. I mean, it's. That's the way they advertise. Yeah, I think it's just, it's harder than ever, if, especially if you're a little independent business. Uh, channels are saturated. There's enormous competition. We've also, you and I have talked, I think last time we talked a little bit about tech fatigue, but there's also definitely yep. content fatigue. <laughs> yeah, there's so, I mean, even compared to 2009, especially 1999, like there is so much more out there. It's overwhelming. So you yeah. kind of have to pick and choose. And if, and you find something you like and trust, you might as well stick with it. I actually don't subscribe to signal versus noise anymore, um, partly because I don't have an RSS reader. Yeah. But apps like Nuzzle and before that, maybe Flipboard and Pocket, they kind of took over my blog consumption for a while. But now I'm just like, I can't even bring myself every night. I'm just... I might read tweets because they're so short, but yeah. it's harder and I just harder. Read books now. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I'm reading Sapiens. I just finished uh, the Da Vinci biography by. Um, oh no way! Uh, Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson, yeah, the Da Vinci biography was amazing. Oh wow! Um, really, really well done. Um, I gotta read that. I want to get more into biographies. Such a fascinating guy. It's it's definitely a dense book, but like if you're into that, if you're interested at all in Da Vinci. Um, he was just, I don't know, seemed like an amazing person who just sort of had a wide variety of interests and sort of went down these rabbit holes that all sort of influences art. And then I read uh, Altered Carbon, which is that new show on Netflix. Oh, I haven't heard of that either. A friend of mine recommended that science fiction book. We're going to, we'll put all these links in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, SAS.transistor.fm, S A A S, not to be confused with SAS, like sassy. Um, <laughs> But it is. It's harder and harder to get people's attention. And people kind of go through phases. But it's interesting to look at what Basecamp is doing in 2018 to build their audience because they're focusing all of their attention on this new podcast they're doing called Rework, a similar title to their book. And one of the questions we wanted to answer this episode is how are we going to compete in the podcasting space? And that's probably a pretty good question, hey? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> so maybe you were saying before we started recording, like at its kind of uh, base element, there's not a lot of difference between the different podcasting hosts. Right. I mean, they all essentially do the same thing, right? It's a, they're all a platform which just collects data per episode and collects an audio file and outputs an RSS feed it can be read by any, or, or um, read by any um, podcasting app and iTunes, and uh, probably has some analytics in there as far as how 
much and who was downloading each episode. And I mean, that's the core of it really. And they all do that. Um, I think yeah. they all have little bells and whistles and, you know, maybe one's designed better than the other. One's cheaper than the other. So it's, it's tough to stand out. I think, I mean, it's, yeah, I think sort of like brand loyalty. Once you're in one, you're just like, I like it and it's working well. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. And actually when we were doing some research, we've got this big Dropbox paper document called podcasting thoughts. And I asked folks, you know, how do you, where do you host your podcast? Why did you choose that host? And, uh, my friend Adam said, you know, I'm using this one here and I started with this one here. And the reason I left was because the first one made me want to kill myself. Yeah. And then he just searched for something and he was like, okay, well this one's pretty cheap and pretty good user experience. So I've never even thought about it since then. Right. And this is a problem for us because Mm -hmm. we're in a very competitive space. We have a, we're trying not to pay too much attention to the competition. Um, This is something else we were talking about beforehand, but I think one of the biggest mistakes product people make is they focus too much on what the competition is doing and not enough on the customers they want to serve. I think your competitive advantage is always how well you know the customer, how well you've observed the real struggles in their life, and how well you're helping them overcome those things. Mm-hmm. But in, our, in this competition table, I have one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So I have thirteen competitors that I wrote down. I'm sure there's twenty, thirty other ones that we don't even know about. <laughs> probably. And they're anywhere from bootstrapped all the way up to uh, Anchor is probably the big one. They have fourteen point four million dollars in funding. Um, and so there's a lot of competition out there for people that want to host their podcast somewhere. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is. And I think I've run into this before, too, where you you can sort of focus on your competition and you can say, well, well, company X just did this and that looks amazing. And company Z just did this and that looks amazing. Let's let's do something similar. And then you never really end up putting anything out and you're just focusing on competition and how you're behind. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you've got to kind of focus on the core of your product and how that helps the customers you intend on, you know, trying to lure into your your mm-hmm. platform i guess um yeah or have you know transition or have people sign up from scratch it feels like one of the trends we observed is that basecamp's not alone there's other companies like ebay codepen uh, mastercard they've all discovered the power of having a branded podcast uh, actually fast company just came out with an article i think today or yesterday about this very topic we'll have that in the show notes as well and the difference and fast company's article is called branded podcasts are the ads people actually want to listen to and it's interesting uh did you listen to the startup podcast at all by gimlet i uh, i listened to the first season yeah so there was more than one, I think, right? Yeah, the first season's the best yeah. one, but that's essentially a branded podcast for Gimlet. It's the the story right. of how they were building their company, uh, similar to what we're doing right now. We're talking about here's here's our journey. We're kind of sharing as we go along, <laughs> building this this web app. And the interesting part is that I think sometimes you know branded con- like branded content sounds like. <laughs> a really dirty word. Right. And 
I think what's different about podcasting, especially when it's done well, is that you can tell a story or you can um, do a show. For example, Cards Against Humanity, their show, The Good News Podcast, which was our first paying customer, uh, their show has really doesn't talk about Cards Against Humanity at all. No, not at all. It's just like five minutes of good news every day. Yeah, they're not even, there's, there might be a link to it, but they're not really, they mention it once or twice. Um, but yeah, it's ultimately just brought to you by a company and here's a fun thing to listen to on your way to work. Yeah, and, and, and enjoy. Yeah. So there's, there seems to be, when it's done well, a real opportunity here. And Basecamp's definitely taking advantage of it in the same way that folks were following their blog from 1999 up till now, now people have the same kind of feeling about podcasts. It's a way to build trust. It's a way to share your story. Maybe more importantly, it's a way to share what you're learning. And uh, at the same time, it has this side effect or deliberate effect of creating awareness about your business and your product. I think it's effective um, to a point. I mean, as long as you're not overtly selling something, Directly, I think you have to obviously come up with good content, compelling content, something to sort of have the audience interact with and respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if every you know two minutes you're saying, "Hey, this is brought to you by so and so. Please buy this at this website," then yeah, people are probably going to get sick of it. Yeah, it doesn't work as well. A good example actually is the Mastercard uh, podcast. I I uh-huh. brought myself to listen to it, and I couldn't believe actually how good it was. Uh, the the website just as a small little brought to you by Mastercard and it's essentially talking about you know running a small business mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of like uh, He Man D- did you grow up with He Man Oh yeah by the power of Grayskull yeah I definitely watched He Man He Man was He Man was real cool He Man was like my one of my favorite shows growing up but the, the whole show is designed to you know basically sell the toys. But there was some value there. You got the cartoon, it made you want to participate in that yeah. world, and then you go out and buy the 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 toys. Yeah, you know, I haven't I haven't I haven't watched cartoons in so long, but I, I I'm assuming that's still the case, right? I mean, Transformers was the same way. Transformers, meets the eye. It was made to sell the toy. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was, yeah, the toys did not come afterwards. I always really wanted Castle Grayskull, but we, we never got it. Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Beast-Man each sold separately. Yeah, I never got that either. Uh, <laughs> we should go get it now. We should we should see Too how bad. much is Castle Grayskull on eBay. Hey, somebody tweet us at TransistorFM on Twitter and tell us how much Castle Grayskull is. We want to know. And actually, Waylon Wong, who is one of the producers of the rework show. I like how she put it uh, because, you know, there's some debate is, is branded content. Okay. And she has an interesting perspective because she was uh, a traditional journalist before she came to base camp. Yeah. So my background is in very traditional journalism and print journalism at that. So I trained at The Wires, which is an extremely old-fashioned way of coming up in journalism. My first job out of journalism school was covering financial markets for Dow Jones Newswires in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, So I have instincts about what makes a good story. I have instincts about 
How do I do a good interview? How do I talk to someone? Um, and then it was a matter of just adapting that to audio, adapting an interview to audio, adapting script writing and story structure. Um, and that has come over time. And obviously, I'm still learning. Um, but I felt like I had the basic fundamentals of reporting and storytelling. So I think for our audience, one thing that might be interesting is how, you know, how do you choose what customer to go after? What we're thinking about doing, what our plan is, is to start by focusing on businesses who want a podcast. So Transistor might become a platform not for podcasters, but for businesses who want a podcast. Now, we're not adverse to um, having people that want to use Transistor just for their own personal shows. We already have a few of those on Transistor. But in terms of us trying to earn revenue uh, for the business, our theory is that it's going to be better to focus on businesses rather than DIY, hobbyist podcasts, etc. Um, yep. Maybe you should talk about some of your feelings about that. Like, what, what are some of your thoughts around that? Well, I guess if a business has, you know, they have obviously more resources, they have more, not, not even in terms of money, but they have more resources in terms of people um, to research topics, to professionally produce it, uh, design resources for a website. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not averse to, you know, having individual podcasters or networks um, who want to start a network of podcasts join up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are plenty of other platforms for them to use if they want, or maybe they're already using one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can maybe provide some extra one-on-one help for businesses who have never done podcasting, who want to who start it up, who need advice about you know what to talk about, how to edit it, um, the best way to promote it, things like that. So I think maybe it's you know less of a software as a service where we don't, there's like no, it's like a no touch service, right? We're not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, they sign up, they do everything. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, um, you know, they sign up and we reach out and we say, hey, you know, what are you looking to do? How can we help uh, start a one-on-one conversation with them? Yeah. And he, actually, even when we were talking to our lawyer, uh, one of the things he said, he's like, oh, I've got a podcast, but my biggest uh, pain point is that you know, I recorded my end of the conversation. My co-host recorded their end. I have no idea what to do with these files. You know, what what do I do? How do I put them together? Right. And that might be something that we can, you know, help people with. Um, there's also the idea of, like, what do you want to get out of this business? And there are podcasting platforms that are run kind of like, you know, nonprofit side projects. Uh, and, you know, they're just happy to help the podcast ecosystem. And that's great for those folks. Uh, those, they don't typically last forever, but you know, for people that want to do that, that's, that's fine. On the flip side, there's Anchor who has all this funding and they, they, they basically need to find some sort of ad revenue uh, model. And so you know, they're offering a free podcast on their platform. Um, and you know, for people that just want to have a personal show, that might be a great fit for them. Mm-hmm. But for us, we want this to be a, a business that can eventually at least provide for you and I, and maybe in the future will provide for other employees as well. And so if we were charging, let's say, $10 a month, that's $120 a year, 
And let's say we wanted to get to a million dollars in revenue um, a year. Guess how, guess how many $10 subscribers we would need? A uh, million dollars in revenue? Yeah. It's, it's not... 100000 I'm doing... <laughs> it, no, so I, what I did was I, I said $10 times 12, that's 120 divided by a million, that's 8,333 customers. Okay. Now, that's not a ton, but if you've ever tried to get your own customers before, <laughs> and you've ever, tried, you've ever been in a SaaS business, so this is going to be the third SaaS I've been involved with, um, you know that acquiring customers takes work and is often very slow. And um, this is these numbers are not just static. Like It's not like you get 8,333 and that just stays like that forever. You have churn, you have people canceling, and then hopefully you're acquiring more customers than are canceling. But just as a rough, you know, on the napkin uh, calculation, 8,333, uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that is. I mean, yeah, at, at the start of a company like this, you're celebrating every every paid sign up. I mean, you're, you know, you're cheersing beer when you reach 10 people and 20 people yeah. and a hundred people. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I think, I think the other, the other thing that comes to mind too, for, for focusing on businesses is that I think you, you have to then rely less on alternate ways of making money off a podcasting platform or, or like helping individuals make money. So you're, there's a lot of other platforms that are like, we're going to dynamically insert ads into your podcast and we're going to, yeah, you know, try to upsell our service within your podcast for a lower monthly fee. And we're going to, you know, build all these like other money making portions of the platform. Whereas, you know, if you can focus on a business, they're going to basically be advertising for their own company and their own needs. And you're not going to have to sort of focus on this, like hijacking their platform to, put in your own audio ads or other people's audio ads. Um, That's such a good point because the message you put out in your marketing, in your product, the way you, you, you format your product, the way you um, mold it, it, it really determines what kinds of customers you're going to attract, right? And right. just thinking about the complexity and maybe the ickiness for us, it might be fine business for other people, but the ickiness of having to figure out dynamically inserted ads for Ford and Casper and all these other folks, you know, putting ads in the middle. You could be having a really important conversation and then they can just insert the ad right there. And again, that's fine for Stitcher. That's fine for the folks that use them. But the great thing about running your own business is you get to decide what kind of business you run and what kind of customers you want to work with. Even as a business using another business, let's say a business is using Transistor to, to run a podcast, like ultimately I think they should still own their own content and not have it taken over by whatever service they're, pay- they're paying for. I mean, they're paying for a service. They, should, they shouldn't really see a downside or see some you know, ad mm-hmm. placed in or whatever, some downsampling. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, going to be the, that's going to be the trade-off if you use something like Anchor, um, because eventually they, they're going to need to start running ads and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you might have a show on there and you might, you, you know, you might have strong opinions about whatever, uh, U uh, S automakers, but anchor might say, well, we've got Ford 
that wants to sponsor, <laughs> sorry, like right. your, yeah. your terms of use uh, dictate that you have to run this ad if you want to run the show on our sh- our platform. Yeah, I mean, it's you know they seem to be taking the usual uh, venture backed startup path, which is get a bunch of money and then acquire a bunch of customers and have them locked into your platform and then see if they can make money. Yeah. Um, which, you know, has worked certainly for some people, but it's again, yeah. kind of like winning the lottery. <laughs> exactly. So we, I know we've got a lot of listeners who are in the midst of maybe building their own product and maybe they have an existing product, but they haven't really defined their market. Uh, and so I've got a few ideas, a few questions that I think you can ask when you're trying to figure out who am I going to serve? And I think that's really the the question. You don't have to think as much about, um, I mean, you, de- you definitely have to think about what's going to differentiate our product from what's already on the market. So that's number one question. Why would someone use my product over what's already out there? But beyond that question, I think almost all of your your thoughts should be around who you're going to serve. And there's benefits to different markets. If you go... You know, if you go with the hobbyist market or the DIY market, there might be a lot more of them, but uh, they might not be willing to pay as much. Right. And um, you, if you want to, you know, deal with customers that have, you know, more money, are highly motivated to solve their problems, that might have to be the B2B market businesses because mm-hmm. businesses have budgets for, you know, we want to, uh, you know, we have a promotion budget and we have a budget around PR and we have a budget around branding. And, you know, if you're building actual software tools, we have a budget around software tools. And it's a lot easier to convince a business like $39 or $100 a month or even $400 a month is not even uh, most like profitable businesses over a million dollars in revenue are not. That's not even a thought for them, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a drop in the bucket. I mean, they they have a budget. Uh, they set aside money that probably has to be spent. I think to some degree. Mm-hmm. Depending on what someone's paying, whether it's less or more, I think you're probably going to get the same amount of customer service requests from mm-hmm. a person. I guess so. Like. Yeah. Or, or maybe even more. I mean, it's... I've got a story here. I worked for yeah. a SaaS company, and we had a $19 a month self-serve product that was kind of targeted at DIY folks. We had a $99 product that was targeted at businesses, bigger nonprofits, governments. They were essentially the exact same product, but... We made way more money off the $99 product. The customers complained way less, way less customer support. And we eventually just got rid of the $19 product because it was okay. yeah. it was so much better to serve that $99 customer who was a business and didn't almost didn't have time to like sweat the little stuff. But if you have someone that's just started a, a new business in their basement and they don't have a lot of time and maybe they're retired or whatever, I don't, I don't want to, uh, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody, but th- those folks just have more time to complain and, 
uh, or sometimes they're like a big fish in a little pond and yeah um, but right or even you know those those people that are spending nineteen dollars a month that they're starting out on their own that that money is worth more to them so they're gonna want to get more out of it and sort of find little things that annoy them more often than a, mm-hmm. than a business would maybe yeah totally. So those are some of the questions we're thinking about here. And we, we also want to say we, we don't know if we're right. We're, we're placing a bet on this particular market. Um, my friend Heaton Shaw always says to double down on what's already working. And in our case, we have one paying customer. That's Cards Against Humanity. They're a business. And so it, it, it's at least worth it for us to double down on that for now and see what the results are. The only way you prove anything is by getting more data points. Uh, do you guys say data or data? Uh, data? I say data. I think say, it's like a tomato, tomato, right? I don't know. Uh, I, People say it differently. Yeah. How do you, how do you say <laughs> Java? How do you say JavaScript? <laughs> JavaScript. Oh, see, say that, ja- JavaScript. I say. I say JavaScript, yeah, but but that's and it's it's hilarious to people in the United States. But if you look on my Twitter, this has been a thing, yeah. And all the Canadians are like, "Wait, I don't understand. You're saying it correctly." And all the Americans are like, "This is the funniest thing ever." <laughs> uh, anyway, we don't know what know we're that. doing, but we're 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 trying our we're basically going on. You know, we're going to double down on what's working, and we're going to try it out. We're going to try to get more data points, and if it keeps working, we're going to keep doubling down on that. Now, yes. obviously, we have to execute. We have to be able to offer features and services that businesses actually care about, and um, differentiate ourselves from you know the other options out there. But that's kind of the next phase we're going into. Maybe we'll talk about this in a future episode. But we really want to get close to customers talk to customers, listen to customers, and figure out, okay, what struggles are you having in your life and how can we help you overcome them? And so I've got a phone call next week with a guy who has a software company that's, you know, might be interested in having a podcast. We've got to figure out, like maybe he'll say something that is you know, completely opposite one of the things we were planning on doing or we hadn't even thought of yet. And I think that's the point is that, you know, you get this feedback from folks, you apply it, and then you see if it generates more sales and maybe even better generates actual like outcomes that the customer wants. I think, I think that's about it. Anything else we should add? I was going to ask if you're listening to any podcasts recently, any new ones Um, aside from MasterCard. uh, Okay. So I'm still, embarrassingly, I'm still listening to Macaulay Culkin's podcast, uh, okay. Bunny ears. I've heard of, yeah, I've heard, that's good. It's just strange. If you grew up in, like, I was born in 1980. I think Macaulay is. Um, you can call him Macaulay if you listen to his podcast first name. Um, I think he's three years younger than me. But all the things they talk about, and his his co-host is actually really good. Um, his co-host is named Matt. Um, what's his last name? I can't remember. But yeah, it's just strangely compelling. And uh, I can't stop listening to it. It's every time there's a new episode. They had this really funny episode with um, with Seth Green, um, who was another child actor, and uh, they have another really good one with Kevin Smith, where they play this okay. game with Kevin. And anyway, it I I found it good. What What about nice. you? Are you listening to anything? Uh, nothing. Uh, let's see. I 
just, I think I posted this to you, but I just started listening to that. It's called the Hyacinth Disaster. It's like a serialized story set in space about this spaceship that yeah. is having some problems, which is just, I don't know. I think it's a, there's a lot of more podcasts like that, which are, you know, it's an, it's an audio book. Essentially. Yeah. It's, it's a storytelling through audio, you know, like old radio shows that my parents probably grew up listening to. Yeah, I've been serialized, hearing a lot about serialized that. radio shows. Um, it's good. It's it's well produced. Um, I only listen to one, but it, you know, it leaves you off with a cliffhanger, and then you got to pick up the next episode. And oh, uh, nice. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Are you listening to it on the web or in your podcatcher? Um, I just I use uh, the podcatcher. Yeah, okay, it's on my phone. Cool. Well, we'll have both of those links in the show notes. You can get those at saas.transistor.fm sas.transistor.fm If you want to check out transistor.fm's homepage right now there's a waiting list you can sign up uh, and get be the first to be invited to the platform when we inv- open it up to the public and again on Twitter we're transistor.fm on Instagram transistor.fm Who are you on the interwebs John? I am John Buda, J-O-N-B-U-D-A on Twitter, um, John Buda on Instagram, johnbuda.com on the web. And I'm Justin Jackson, the letter M, the letter I, Justin, M-I, Justin on Twitter, Instagram, uh, most of the things. And uh, you can check out my site too, justinjackson.ca. And that'll be it for this week. Thanks everyone for listening. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.